you're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org. Good morning. Um, I have to apologize because I'm a bit distracted this morning. Um, I'm, thinking about, um, I'm thinking about the mortgage and about the bills. And I'm thinking about the flipping leaky tap that we have and the, the cleaning and the washing and then the tidying. And then we've got some decorating as well. And I'm thinking about the wonky door, which I broke when I was fixing the wonky handle. And I'm thinking about fixing the wonky handle. I'm thinking about home insurance and life insurance, car insurance. I've got a parking fine that I need to pay without Ruth knowing. <laughs> I've got to fix the slow puncture to the car. And then I want to spend time with friends. And I'm kind of a bit anxious that maybe they're not my friends. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe I don't like me. And maybe I'm not being true to me. And then I'm stressing about milk. Do you go full fat, semi-skimmed, or the weird red one that no one really likes? Or oat, or almond, or soya, or hemp, or coconut, or rice? And Netflix, what do you watch? And then I'm thinking about this weird spot on my hand and doctors, and the dentist, and friends, and family. I'm thinking about our boys who have the whole of life ahead of them, and my parents. 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 And I'm thinking about holiday, home or away, adventure or culture, adrenaline or bed linen. But wherever you go, it has to be on Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter. And then we come back to work, or to study, and recycling. So I'm thinking about the boss, I'm thinking about the staff, I'm thinking about my aspirations and hopes, my fears and my failures, I'm thinking about all that I want to achieve, all that I'm good at, what do I enjoy, what is it that I'm called to? And so I'm thinking about God and the church, I'm thinking about the finite and the infinite, I'm thinking about Avengers Endgame. I'm thinking about culture, and diet, and exercise, and interests, and hobbies. I'm thinking about all of these things because we are complex people, and we have these things going on around in our head all day, every day. We are incredibly complex people. So how do we find a bit of simplicity in all of that? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And as I've been thinking about simplicity, and maybe some of the practices that we could explore, I realized that the problem with simplicity is that there are, just, there are simply too many messages. Do you know, um, there are various studies that have been done into how many messages we're subjected to every day. And, um, and there's a number that, that kind of goes around, and that's 4,000. But in truth, no one really knows, because it surely depends on where you live, um, where you work, and, and the kind of lifestyle that you live. But also, we don't know, because so many of the messages are, sub, uh, are subconscious, aren't they? So, so really great advertising. It's not just about the poster or the advert that interrupted your day for that moment. Think about Budweiser. The, the success of the Budweiser ad is not in the interruption. You know, the what's up ad. The success of that was not in the moment that you watched it. The success of that advert is that it goes with you. 
and it, and it appeals to you every moment. And so you know that when you're with your friends and you're having a great time, you think, this is a what's up moment. We need the buds. So these messages, they stay with us. And when it comes to simplicity, one of the things that I want to challenge us about, one of the things I'd like to think about is how many messages and stories we live by. And I think, um, as, as we'll come to it, I think simplicity is all about living to one story. So let's think about um, these, these messages. These messages which bombard us, they tell us, here's the interesting thing, we'll, we'll think about these messages and who's, who's sending these messages out and, um, and what, the, what, their, um, what the story they're pushing is. Um, but all of these messages that come to us like opportunities, it's we have an opportunity to do this and that, and, but all of these opportunities present themselves as pressure, pressure to be someone you're not, because all of these messages only exist to tell you you're not okay as you are, right? Because think about it, all of these messages, all of advertising needs you to buy something, right? But if you're content and if you're enough, then you don't need to buy this stuff. So all of these messages we hear, they all tell us the same thing in a different way. You are not good enough as you are. You need to look better. You need to be smarter. You need to dress in this. You need to use these products. So we're, we're subjected to all of these, message, all these messages all day. But who has the power? I want to give you some encouragement. Who has the power here? This is something I was thinking about, and I realized that it's not true what I've been told. Because I'm... I see this picture and I think, my goodness, if I want a healthy, stable relationship, which is, I assume that's what this picture is promoting, a healthy, stable relationship smells like that and you hug in the nude, apart from your leather gloves. But who has the power here? Do I need that to have a successful relationship or do they need me? All of these messages only exist because they need us, don't they? They need us to spend our pound and our dollar on their product. Should I change this mic because someone's singing along with me? Last time I spoke, I had four mics, so we're already on the second. So here's the first thing. You have the power. That's extraordinary, okay? So we don't need to listen to these. Our story is something different, but we have the power. You don't need this. And what are these guys pushing? They're pushing an idea that you're not enough as you are. So this is a challenge to us because if we want to live simply, we need to be living according to one story. We need to be going in one direction. But when we listen to all these messages that say, you need to have this kind of product, you need to smell like this, you need to look like that, you need to behave like this, you need to be seen in these places, all of a sudden we're being torn in a thousand different directions, aren't we? And so we, we're a bit like this. We're, we're, I'm Dan, and yet I'm Dan and I'm going over there because I want to be associated with these people and I'm Dan who's going over here because I want to be seen to be successful in that way and I want to wear green trousers and show that I'm not ashamed of that, whatever statement I'm making there. But we're being torn in so many different ways. Now, I want to tell you a story and there are occasions in your life when an episode happens and you know when it happens that it's a story you want to just log and remember forever because it's just brilliant. And on a rainy day, you want to revisit that. And this is one of those stories. So three years ago, three-ish or three -ish years ago, Ruth and I bought a house. And our house was a mess. 
we needed to kind of do it over entirely. Um, and so we got together a crack team, which was like DIY's version of the Avengers. It was myself and Ruth um, with her father, Big Phil, who owns every conceivable power tool. Like he is, he's DIY's answer to Iron Man. He's like, he's just got it all. And uh, so, so we're in there kind of fixing things up, ripping things up. And, um, and downstairs, in the hall and um, upstairs, we had that weird texture thing on the wall, which has got a name, and I never know what it is. Artex, which you know, some people like, and if you've got that, great. But we thought, not to my liking. So I tried scraping it, and I tried sanding it, and it just wouldn't come off. So Big Phil says, hey, what we need to do, we need to get a, a plaster in. Great, good thinking, Big Phil. So we have a series of interviews, and we select um, a plastering party who turn up one Friday, and I was going to work. So I leave the house in the morning to Artex. Artex walls, horrible. Um, and then I arrive back, and all the walls were impossibly smooth. You know, like just that virgin kind of smooth plaster. It was, it was so good. I mean, it's all bobbly now because we have two kids, and they've kind of chipped away at it. But it was this perfectly smooth wall. And downstairs, um, the guy who we bought the house from, he had um, he'd smashed a recess into the downstairs wall so he could sink this oversized TV in, um, which he took with him, thankfully. So we had this massive recess in one wall. And so I went downstairs, and, and we were kind of going, oh, the walls are so smooth, it's amazing. And Ruth said, hey, and um, tomorrow, one of the guys is coming back to fill the recess in. And I thought, great. We're going to get rid of that problem as well. And then she said, just to warn you, he's pretty big. And I was like, I'm pretty big. And she said, no, no, he's big. And I was like, okay, emasculated, but fine. Um, and she said, also, he has anger issues. So, okay. So that night, I didn't sleep particularly well. And then, um, and then so bright and early the next morning, Saturday morning, there's a knock at the door. And I open the door, and I kid you not, I'm basically staring at someone's midriff. Like, he's absolutely colossal. He's like, you know Stuart, who was playing drums? He's like Stuart's big brother. He's like, he was massive. So I say, oh, hi, um, you're the plasterer? And he says, he says yeah, I'm socks. <laughs> like, all right. Like, I don't even know what to do with that, but I'm kind of fighting the temptation to, just, does it relate to his socks? Um, so he says, yeah, I'm socks. I like, okay, well, um, come in, Mr. Socks. And then, um, and then Big Phil arrives after, just moments after. And he's spent the day with him. Big Phil now looks like little Phil. And so Big Phil comes in and he goes, hey, Socks, how are you doing, mate? And I'm thinking, mate, you've never said mate in your life. And then Socks says, hey, Phil, how are you doing? Did you get the kitchen done? And Phil says, no, I ain't. I'm like, ain't? You've never employed a, an apostrophe in your life. And now you're dropping them like you're Stormzy. Anyway, so, so he says, oh, yeah, I ain't. So, so Phil's like turned into this real kind of geezer. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they go downstairs. And this, this guy, this, I kid you not, he was a giant. He just was a giant. And, um, and Phil and Socks just spend the whole day um, chatting. But I'm thinking, we're paying this guy by the hour. But how do you tell a giant with anger issues to kind of hurry up? You don't. So we just leave it. And then he, he's like, um, you know the tiger who came for tea? He just drank everything that we had. And he ate all the biscuits. And then I'm thinking, he's going to have a sugar crash. And then I'm thinking, we just need to get more sugar, more biscuits. So we're just feeding this guy. But anyway, after a while, Big Phil, uh, Little Phil, eventually comes back to the kitchen where we're doing some work. 
and um, we were getting rid of an old washing machine. I don't know if you know this about washing machines, but they, you know, they spin and they have a massive slab of concrete in to weigh them down so they don't walk off. So we're wiggling this washing machine out um, and it's really heavy. And Big Phil says, uh, let's get socks. I'm thinking, oh no, the time. Anyway, so he goes and gets socks. 50 minutes later, he comes back and Big so- <laughs> um, Socks goes, where's the machine? And it's like, well, clearly it's in the middle of the kitchen. But anyway, he walks over and like your eye would pick up a box of books. This is is honestly incredible. He just bent down and picked up a washing machine. It was was amazing. It was incredible. And I was staring at Phil like, I've never seen anything like this ever. So he just sucks, bends down, picks up this washing machine. He just starts walking out the kitchen. And then Phil, um, he he spotted the trailing plug. Um, and he kind of like skipped off. He was like, oh, let me get the plug. And then he's skipping out behind his socks. Socks is carrying a washing machine. And Phil's got the plug. So they're <laughs> walking through. And then they, um, Socks puts it down, crashes it down into the garden. And then he turns around. And Phil's like, whoa, right there. And so, and so Phil has to kind of explain why he's like right in his face. And he goes, he goes oh, sorry, um, you know, the plug was training, didn't want anyone to trip, off, trip over it. And it was like, great, Phil. But it was just this, it, was, it reminds me of Reuben trying to help me. Reuben's my three-year-old boy. But it was just one of those, it was just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was fantastic. And that, I only tell you that because it's a really good example, I think, of someone trying to be something they're not because he really was not. It was like, big Phil, little Phil. And this giant, and he was like, yeah, I'm one of the lads. And I, and I was thinking, Phil, you've got to be careful because, you know, he might invite you out or, you know, you're going to have to keep up this persona. And that is exactly the way we live, isn't it? We, we kind of skip between different relationships and we try to fit in with this crowd and we try to fit in with th- that crowd. But we're constantly changing our identity. What do we think about ourselves? So here's the thing. You come here most Sundays and you hear this message. You hear that God thinks you're a great person. And the person up, up front says, I'm looking out and I can see and I know a lot of you and I know that you're awesome. And I know we all have struggles, but I know that you're awesome. And the first book of my Bible says, you're very good. But then you walk out those doors and what is it that you believe about yourself? You think, well, yes, Genesis might say I'm very good, but there's room in love for disappointment. And you walk out those doors and you think, maybe I'm just the one person, the first person in history who God doesn't love, right? This is, this is stuff that I, that I struggle with. And we all think we should be more. So we listen to these, these adverts that we've looked at already. I should be more. I should be better. These opportunities, I should be maximizing. I should be fulfilling. I, sh- I should be something I'm not. Because although we know all these adverts are, are rubbish, we know all these adverts really need us, but we believe it. We think, I'm not enough. I need the stuff I haven't got, and I need to look a bit more like that person. But you see, you're broken because you have two stories, and you cannot live that way. You cannot live by two stories. This is our story, our story which follows Jesus, Jesus who taught his followers to love and to be generous, and then he died and he rose again. So there is power in this story. There is mystery in this story, but this is is the story that we find ourselves in. And yet too often we live by a different story. So if you believe this story that says, you know what, God created this and it is good, there is 
love in this and there's intent, but then you believe another story that says, I can't be who I am. Maybe, maybe it's sexuality. I can't, this, because this is one we talk about often, I can't be who I am because I'm intrinsically wrong. You know, I, I have to remain celibate. Well, you've got two stories going on there, haven't you? The first one says, you're great. You're made in God's image, and that should be celebrated. The next is, the way you were made isn't good enough. And we know that living by different stories is one of the big causes for anxiety and depression. So this is really important. You need to get your story straight. And we live by all these different stories. So let's just um, quickly explore this story. This story that I think says you're awesome in it and we're found in it. Um, this, for people who did the Lenten Wilderness, um, you might have seen this before. I sent it out in an email. Now, this is a diagram. And, and when I sent it out, I did say that I really dislike diagrams that try to explain something that's quite profound, okay? Because this is not really not how this works at all. I'll explain it. It's not how it works. It's just one way of me trying to explain how, how I understand things. So I think... We're all stars. I think you're a star. I think you're a star. So this is you. And we're complex people. We're made up of, of, of how we relate to the world. That's our ecology, our, our, our physicality, our sexuality, our emotions, and our, social, and our social behavior, our friends. These are the things that define us. But spirituality, rather than being something distinct from all, all those things and separate, spirituality is the thing that binds it all together and relates us back to God. Spirituality has to make sense of all of it, okay? Because everything is spiritual. Everything is created and belongs to God. Therefore, spirituality binds all those things up. Spirituality is the story that we believe about ourselves. Spirituality is the one that says, is the story that says you were made and you are great and God loves you and you belong together in fellowship. That's our spirituality and it makes sense of all these things and it drills down into our roots. So that's our story. Our story is our spirituality. So here is the homework for us this week. I can leave that up for you if you want. There's a challenge. I'm going to get a basket as well. Our challenge is to think about this story. This story in which, the story that we talk about each week in different ways. And to be brutally honest with ourselves where are the other stories that we live by? What are the, if, if this is the story that we want to live by, what are the lies that we're living? So one story says, you're enough. And there's a story outside that says, but you can be more. That you need to dress like this, you need to have these things. Are you, are you believing those two stories? Because there's conflict there. Are you believing this story which says you belong in this community? Or are you believing another story that says these people don't like you because you don't smell right? You're not wearing the right scent because there's a conflict there. So in a moment, we're going to have um, a bit of time. But I I want you to, um, Flick's going to tinker for us as well. But I want you to be honest with yourselves. Think about the story. Think about where there's conflict in your lives and the lies that you need to call out and get rid of. And then I'm going to leave this basket under the cross. And I invite you to write down um, the areas of conflict, those things that are untrue. And if you want, you've got, um, there's paper and pens. Uh, If you want, you can write those things down 
and you can drop them in the basket and you can leave them at the cross because these are lies that you shouldn't be living by. And this is about simplicity. It's about living by one story. And then um, this, it gets really complicated as well because there's complexity and simplicity. I think it was Leonardo da Vinci who said um, the simplicity is the ultimate complexity or something like that. Because if this is our story, all of these things have to be reconciled to it. Okay? So, if our story is that, that we worship this God, and in this truth we are all found and we belong together, and God is for us, and all things belong to God, that means that all of these things have to be reconciled to this story. So, if we say that God is for people and God loves creation, and yet we're okay with um, buying chocolate that we know is unethically sourced... There's conflict. There's two, we're living by two different stories. We're saying, on the one hand, God loves everyone. On the other hand, I really like cheap chocolate that enslaves people. And I'm, I'm down with that. There's conflict there. And this is not easy. This is not easy at all. And we live in a joined-up world, and we're exposed to things, and so it's so hard. But this is the conflict we have to live by. You see, in simplicity, there is complexity. And if we believe the story that says God created the oceans and, and the animals and all these things. If we believe that God is creator and yet we abuse the world and we do not even make the small step of recycling, if we don't think about how we're looking after the world, there's complexity and there's, there's conflict in our stories. So there's two things to do here. The first thing is think about the lies that we all live by, the things that do, are not consistent with this truth that we live by, this simplicity. And then the second thing is how can we um, this story that we live by, what, what other changes do we need to make to bring them in line with this story? So you see, I think um, simplicity becomes quite complicated. And lastly, um, before I invite you to do that, I, w- I, I will tell you a little bit about um, this Lent and Wilderness thing again. So over Lent, a group of us did a, a partial fast and and we looked back at some ancient spiritual practices um, to really challenge us. But they started, um, the first one we did was silence for 10 minutes, which never happens in London, does it? For 10 minutes doing nothing. That's just, even though I was doing it by myself, it was still awkward. It was just like, I've never spent this long by myself before in my thoughts. But 10 minutes of silence. And then into that silence, we built different disciplines um, Lecto Divina, so a, a kind of holy read, a, a read it, divine reading of scripture um, and other methods of, of praying. There was one um, thing we did, and I'll tell you this because it's a bit trippy, it's a bit weird. Um, but who here really believes that they're loved by God? Oh, this is good. Not all of you, but you know, it's a really hard thing to get your head around. I really struggle with it. So, th- so I found this, this, tr- this practice whereby, now this sounds weird, but it's, it's helpful, and it needs to be a heavy rug when I get there. So what you do, you get a rug, heavy rug, and then you drape the rug over you, okay? And the rug represents God's love, right? This is, I did it with quite a light kind of like pillowcase, and it just felt like I was sitting under a pillowcase. But it needs to be something where you can feel the weight. And so you, you, you pray about this, and you think, this is the love of God. And I want to be made aware of it. And then you can drape the, the rug over you. Make sure no one else is in the house because you will freak them out. Um, 
but you drape it over you and you feel the weight of this rug pressing down on your head and then falling over your body. And then in that presence, you can begin to pray or you reflect on this story. But it's just another way of tricking yourself into this is what I really believe, and, or not tricking, but becoming aware of it in a different way. So there's different things that you can do, but I'm telling you this because um, I haven't done it so well since, but through Lent, I was trying to get up in the morning and spend 10 or 15 minutes in quiet and in meditation and in grounding myself in this story, finding myself in this story. So perhaps that's something you could do also. Find 10 minutes every day and say, do you know what, this is going to be my story because as soon as you leave the house, before you leave the house, as soon as you turn your phone on, you're going to have those different messages. You're going to have all the perfumes and Apple and whoever else telling you, you need this, you need to eat that, you need to whatever. But maybe the first message you hear each day should be, this is the story to ground yourself in. How revolutionary would that be? So, I am going to hand over to Flick now, who's been sat there very patiently. So in, in, in the quiet, which, um, which we'll create, there's those different things for you to think about. What are the lies that you're living by? Call them out, write them down, place them in the basket. Or perhaps what are the truths that you want to live in? And you could write that down and keep it with you. Perhaps you've never really committed to this story before. And this is an opportunity to do that. And there's, a, there's going to be a prayer team at the back at the end. But if this story is something you want to explore and commit to, there's an opportunity to do that. And then also maybe think about these practices. How can we develop the, these practices to ground ourselves in this truth, this one story? Let me pray for you, um, and then I'll hand over to Flick and the band. God, I thank you for this story. A story which all too often seems abstract. I thank you that it's a story that we all find ourselves in. And despite the fact we struggle to relate to it and we struggle to live within its truth, that it remains so. I thank you that, there, that this story, when people commit to it, it is surprising. And it's revolutionary. We read from scripture about a group of people who lived this way. And it, it plan, pans out in different ways. But what does it look like when we find ourselves in this story? It looks like a group of people who are committed to each other. Who serve one another. And then we read this extraordinary story about Paul uh, healing someone. How far does this story go? But Lord, I pray that um, I pray for each person here that today and in this moment and in this week we would all commit to this story in a new way. We'd be heightened. We'd be heightened to the other stories we live by and those other messages, and we'd begin to call them out and silence them because they're not true. There is a true story that we once belonged to. So I thank you that that story is true for all of us, and I pray that you would lead us down that path of journeying to, into the mystery of how far and how radical and how miraculous this love is. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org.